A well-known Christian leader who owns one of the largest Christian radio networks in America has set a date for the return of Jesus. The date is Saturday, May 21st, 2011. He is broadcasting that date daily. He has erected billboards all across our nation, and He has convinced many people that Jesus will return on that date. What about it? Is the date a valid one? Is it based on Bible prophecy? And can we really know the date of the Lord's return? Stay tuned. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end-time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. My colleague Nathan Jones and I are going to be interviewing one of Christendom's foremost experts on cults and false religions. His name is James Walker. Welcome to Christ in Prophecy, James. Thanks, David. It's always good to have you here. Great to be with you. Okay. James is the president of Watchman Fellowship, a cult monitoring ministry headquartered in Arlington, Texas. He is a former fourth generation Mormon with over 20 years of ministry experience in the field of Christian countercult evangelism, apologetics, and discernment. James earned a Master of Theology degree from Criswell College in Dallas, and he has taught at Arlington Baptist College, the Criswell College, and New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary. He's an ordained Baptist minister and a member of the Society for the Study of Alternate Religions. We have had James several times before as our guest, and we have always received a very positive feedback from our viewers. James, uh, we invited you here today to discuss a Christian leader who has uh, set a date for the return of Jesus Christ. The date of May the 21st of this year, which would be on Saturday about three weeks from now. So we're coming up on that date real fast. Before we get to that particular date though, what I'd like to do first of all is lay some groundwork by talking about date setting in general. What about it? Can we know the date of the Lord's return? Absolutely not. In, in Matthew chapter 24, uh, Jesus set the stage to say that no one knows the time, the day, or the hour of uh, His return. That this is something that only the Father knows. And the principle we find in Scripture is that we're to be always ready because in such a time as we think not, that's when the, uh, the coming of the Lord will be. You know it's amazing. These date setters always have a way to explain away that verse. Yes, they always have a way around it. And so does this man whom we're going to discuss in a few minutes. For example, he, he goes to Daniel chapter 12 and he says, hey, Daniel chapter 12 says that there are certain things we can't understand about prophecy now, but we will understand them as the day comes for them to be understood. And he says, we're getting new revelation now so that we can understand that we can set the date. Well, the issue is one of false prophecy. And, and the Scriptures make it very clear, Deuteronomy chapter uh, uh, 18, that if anyone makes a prediction in the name of the Lord of a, an event that does not come to pass, and that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken, the prophet has spoken it presumptuously, and the Bible says you're not to be afraid or not to respect or fear that prophet. And yet I've seen this happen over and over. Do you remember 1988, 88 reasons why Jesus is coming back in 1988? That was Edgar Wisenot. He yes. gave us a book, the book 88 Reasons. Of course, when I read it, I thought there was several problems with the book, actually 88 problems with the book. <laughs> but uh, there's a history of that. And so there's, the whole book's been written. Like and when it history. didn't happen, what did he do? The next year he wrote... 89, 89 reasons. 89. <laughs> I 
I mean, it's, it's just unbelievable. Typically what a false prophet will do is they will go back and give some kind of invisible interpretation to what was supposed to be a very visible event. And so they will say, as the Jehovah's Witnesses have, uh, every eye will see him. They said the, the second coming would happen in uh, 1914. Mm-hmm. When that didn't happen, they say, well, every eye of understanding, in your mind's eye, you would see these things. What about William Miller yes. in 1844? Classic example. I mean, William Miller. Tell us about him. Disappointment? <clears throat> yeah, this, mm-hmm. a, a lot of the modern date setters go back to something called the Second Adventist Movement and a, and a Baptist, uh, um, uh, misled Baptist minister by the, uh, the name of William Miller. He was mm-hmm. pastor of a Baptist church in Lowhampton, New York. He believed that he could unravel Bible prophecy, and he predicted originally that in March of 1843 that Christ was going to return. Now, this thing swept throughout the United States. Yeah, it really uh, caught the, the popular imagination. The largest uh, pub- tent for public uh, revivals was owned mm-hmm. by William Miller. He, they had their own hymn books. It, it uh, hopped the Atlantic and, and swept through <laughs> uh, Europe as well. And, uh, of course, the, the March uh, 1843, Three date failed, but like all these other false prophets, uh, William Miller adjusted his dates. Yeah, he spun it, didn't he? He did, and so he has a new date, mm-hmm. and so the new date was October twenty second, eighteen forty four, and by this time, only unknown hundreds of thousands of people go out this, to to the. Uh, sides of the mountains, waiting for the second Standing coming. Standing in white robes, waiting for the Lord to come. <laughs> and it was called by the newspapers of the day, the Great Disappointment. disappointment. It was, And it was. And, and he died had in based their lives. Uh, yeah. Now, he had a new revelation at that point. His his new revelation was that no man knows the day or the hour. <laughs> and, uh, oh, interesting. That sounds familiar. He actually repented yeah. of that. But some people began to give it a spiritual interpretation yeah, that well, Jesus now, really did something on that date. The majority of his followers simply bitterly disappointed, drifted back into their old churches, but a core group refused to believe they were wrong. And they believed something invisible must have happened that day, and that was confirmed by a prophecy by a prophetess by the name of Ellen G. White, yes. and who was an early leader in something now known as the Seventh-day Adventist movement. And so the Seventh-day Adventists, they believed that Christ did leave the right hand of the Father on October 22, 1844, which was William Miller's yeah. date. Uh-huh. But rather than coming back to earth as they thought He would... Yeah. He entered into something called investigative judgment. Yes, yes. She was 17 when she came up with that idea, right? But it's based on a vision. Oh, and so, okay, and, and so now there were other people mm-hmm. theorizing that, but the vision is what validated the theory. Yeah, okay. And to this day, the Seventh-day Adventists believe in the date of October 22, 1844, based on a, an excuse for a false prophecy by a discredited So, so you set the minister. date. When it doesn't happen, then you say something spiritual occurred it was on that invisible. day that you could not see that was invisible. Well, tell us uh, uh, briefly about... What is the impact of this date setting upon individual Christians and also upon the church? Well, there's a reason that the, that the Bible is adamant against false prophecy and false prophets. Because if I could convince you that Christ was going to return, as, as this guy's saying, in, in Saturday a few weeks from now, mm-hmm. it totally changes your life. I mean, all your plans, your education, your retirement, your, your, you quit your job. It totally turns your life upside down. It ruins people's lives. And then when the prophecy fails to come true, you begin to question everything. Your Not faith? Just the, oh, your faith, the Bible. You, you, because this false prophet has misled you, it's very hard to trust anything. And the world laughs. Oh, it discredits it's ama- Every time one of these Jesus. guys comes along, it's amazing how the press just zeroes in. And every time you see him, he's being interviewed here and interviewed there because they know it's not going to happen. And they just, so they, they focus on it. Then when it doesn't happen, they come back and say, look, that's what's 
what a crime to Bible prophecy. 31% of the Bible is Bible prophecy, and yet churches are terrified to touch that 31% yeah. because of guys like this. Absolutely. The, the, the issue becomes one of the, the biggest apologetics or defense for the Bible and the defense for the deity of Christ yeah. and His Messiahship is prophecy. That's right. Fulfill Bible prophecy. So if Satan can come in and destroy Bible prophecy, he's is, he is basically negated a major portion of God's Word. Yes. Well, it, it certainly is. And, and uh, the result of all this can be that people decide that Bible prophecy is a playground for fanatics. Yes. Mm. Not a legitimate place, place for study. That, that's, that's unfortunate. But that's why Satan is going to take false prophets and try to use this as an attack. And then when a legitimate teacher comes along and says, we cannot know the date, but we can know the season of the Lord's return because we've given signs to watch for. People say, oh yeah, well, I've heard that before. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's like yelling wolf. It's an excuse. It's wolf, an excuse wolf, wolf. not to go to the Bible. The, 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 the major portion of God's Word is prophecy. And it's, it's a, an excuse not to study Bible prophecy because you've had a history of false prophets in the past. That does not take away our responsibility to study the Word of God and know what the Bible does say about the end times. Okay, now with this background about date setting in general, I want us to look specifically at this gentleman, Harold Camping, and the prophecy, the date he has set of May the 21st, just about three weeks from now. So let's take a look at that, okay? Welcome back to Christ in Prophecy and our interview of James Walker, the president of Watchman Fellowship. It's a cult monitoring ministry and a ministry that specializes in apologetics. James, we were talking about Harold Camping. He's the guy who says on May 21st, 2011, Jesus is coming back. Uh, could you elaborate a little? Who is this Harold Camping? What's his background? Harold Camping, very interesting, controversial guy. He, he was, uh, uh, he's in his late 80s now. I mean, he was he's born. Okay. Um, he's 88, I believe. Yeah, 1921 right? or something. So, this is a guy, he, he made a small fortune early in his life. He uh, owned a construction company and some real estate deals. But he was, had a Christian background. He decided he really wanted to be an evangelist. And he, he uh, bought a series of radio stations. Okay. And it's become one of the largest uh, radio stations uh, or networks uh, in the United States. I think some 150 stations. Mm -hmm. Wow, that many. It's called uh, uh, Family Radio. Uh, family Stations is the official name of yeah, it. The Family, family Radio, radio Network. Network is what it's known as. Now, now that's not the same as American Family Radio, which is uh, a whole there different is a difference. Okay. organization. But, but Harold Camping's... Mm -hmm. uh, uh, has his radio network to get the Word of God out. But uh, beginning in the 1960s, 70s, he starts to speculate on dates and, and prophecies. His, his uh, background and in, in his um, uh, Christian background was in the uh, Reformed Christian Church. Okay. And he was eventually asked not to teach there anymore because he was setting dates for the end. And so he, he develops his own church. Um, he starts a church called Alameda Bible Fellowship. And, um, Is that in California you're talking about? Yes. Yeah. And so he um, uh, very adamant that uh, the church uh, age would e uh, ended in 1988, that the rapture was going to be in uh, uh, 1996. 94. I'm sorry, 1994. Yeah. And that uh, uh, the end is coming soon. So uh, that's kind of the background. Well, on it's the, not the year 1994 anymore. So what was the response to well, it was, a, it was a, an, a, another bitter disappointment and, and yeah. an embarrassment. I mean, he actually had a book with the title, and the book was 1994. But he did the same thing William Miller did. A few weeks after that, he said, oh, but you know what? I, uh, the, the Lord didn't come, but there was something significant that happened on that date, and that is the Holy Spirit was poured out. 
And from now on we're going to have the greatest harvest of souls in history as a result of the great pouring out of the Holy Spirit. Between 88 and 94 he said that virtually no one was yes, going to be no saved. saved. Yeah. And so, because the church age had ended. ended. And oh. so in 1994 forward there's supposed to be this great you know, harvest of people coming to Christ. And I mean there's no... Uh, there's, there's no kind of uh, independent verification of any of this, either the apostasy or the revival. There's nothing we can see along those lines. But it, all of this, I believe, is an excuse to try to paper over this huge, embarrassing false prophecy about 1994. Because I remember 1994. It, it was all in all the news. And then the next day he became a laughingstock. And now he's predicting another date. Why does anyone listen to him? It's just a true saying. Those who... Were, who forget the past, are condemned to repeat it. Yes, and a lot of true. Christians even don't have any kind of historical understanding. I mean, you could, there's even a book out about the history of the end of the world. Oh, yeah. And so the, not knowing that uh, in, in not understanding the biblical criteria for judging a prophet, judging someone who sets dates, they're condemned to repeat this over and over again. And he's also mm-hmm. a very charismatic, dynamic uh, type of individual. Uh, and in his writings, his writings are very obtuse. I've read a lot of them and I tell you, it, it is it's tough going. But when you get through you think, wow, I didn't understand any of that, but anybody that deep must really know what they're talking about. And unfortunately, he's misleading a lot of very sincere people who sincerely want to see the Lord return and who are going to sincerely be disappointed. Because I know one thing, James, I don't know when the Lord's coming, but I know He's not coming on that date because He's told us we could not know. How did He come up with that date anyway? I mean, why 1988? Why is it always the 21st that all these events happen in His calendar? Well, He he has a... um he spiritualizes the Bible. It's, it's almost like okay. you could take Daniel, book of Revelation, you take the prophetic books, think about this, you take them, put them in a blender, uh, you, you, you uh, shred them all up, and then you close your eyes and reach in and pull out bits and pieces of the Bible and try to piece them together. Uh, he, he is a combination of, of numerology where he uh, ascribes secret meanings to different numbers and then tries to do different mathematical formulas on them, uh, taking prophecies in the Bible that, re, uh, that uh, refer to events that have already happened and then try to take those and move them forward and apply them to the 1980s and 90s. It's a combination of spiritualizing the scriptures and arbitrarily just assigning meanings to. I found the Bible. That, that, that he does a lot of the classic errors of people in their uh, in, when they start interpreting the Bible. One is, of course, the main thing he does is he allegorizes the Bible. Everything he argues that the real meaning of all scripture is under the surface, and so he allegorizes things like saying when Moses said there's seven days left before the flood, well that meant there were really seven thousand years of of human history. Well. Come on, that's not what Moses said. The two witnesses who are killed in the middle of the Revelation, he says, well, those two witnesses represent the church and that one day God's going to kill off the church and he did that in 1988. Well, that doesn't have anything to do with the church. He takes a passage that William Miller used from Daniel chapter 8 and he says, well, this is forecasting so many days or years and that whole prophecy had to do with what was going to happen with with Antiochus Epiphanes. During the intertestamental period between the Old and the New Testament. And then another thing he does is retranslate scriptures like the Jehovah's Witnesses. If you have a scripture that doesn't mean what you want it to mean. Remodify it. Well, you just say, hey, it never has been translated correctly. And you suddenly give it a translation nobody's ever given it. Isn't that a usual technique of cult? It is. And when you randomly assign meanings, it, it goes against the historical grammatical understanding, yeah, right. hermeneutic of how you uh, interpret Scripture. 
It means what it says and says what it means. Once you begin to apply uh, these random meanings, well, then the Bible can mean anything that you want it to mean. And that's exactly what's happened. Well, and that's fun because when you do allegorical interpretation, you're right. It means anything you want it to mean. And guess what? You become God. Absolutely. Didn't he take what Jesus said about teaching in parables and apply it to the entire Bible? So he thinks the entire Bible is a parable? Yes, he's done that as well. Huh. But the other does, thing he often does is quote only part of a verse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Leave the rest of the verse hanging. Context is king. And so once you remove <laughs> things from context, you can have it mean anything that you want it to. Well, you know, in all the study that I did on this, and I, I really went into it in quite a bit of depth, um, I, I came to the conclusion that his whole formula rests on one assumption. And that's usually the case with end-time dating. Everything rests on, if you, if, if you accept this one proposition, then everything builds from that. And his fundamental proposition is that 1994 was a year of jubilee. Yes, but you, the Jews not the don't case. know that. Yes. I mean, he just picked that one out of a hat, too. I mean, Um, and he never gives any reason for saying it is. The Jews do not recognize that as a year. Who is he to tell the Jewish people that was a year of Jubilee? Well, the the year of Jubilee is something that when the Jews went into Canaan in Joshua. Yes. It's 50 years from that point when all of Israel, all 12 tribes, go into the the promised land, into Canaan. Then 50 years from them is is going to be the Jubilee. Well, even if you tried to apply that to Israel being reestablished as a nation... The math doesn't work. Well, uh, it, 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 doesn't. It, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be 1994. It would be 1998 would That's be 50 right. years. That's right. Plus, the Jews themselves say, we are not going to have a year of Jubilee until the majority of all Jews representing all tribes are back in the land. Then we will start calculating. But they, how can you set a year of Jubilee that the Jews don't even recognize? Now, once you take that, it's kind of like, it's kind of like you think of a house of cards, this whole dating system. Once you pull the year of Jubilee out, this whole thing collapses like a house of cards. And this is the problem that you have. And you see it already happening with the failure in 1994. Yes. Mm-hmm. The rapture didn't happen then. In a couple of weeks, we're going to find out the same thing again with the uh, May 21st uh, yeah. date in 2011. Incidentally, uh, folks, um, we have a, a very detailed article entitled The Madness of Date Setting that goes into all of his calculations, how he made the calculations, how bizarre they are, how off the wall they are, particularly these incredible mathematical formulas that he just pulls out of nowhere and gives all kinds of, of spiritual interpretation to. He has one that he considers more important than E equals MC squared. And uh, so you can find that article on our website. Nathan, tell them how to get to our website so they can find that. www.lamlion.com. It'll be the featured article uh, for the magazine that came out in March and April. And just go under publications, magazines, it's the main article there. Thank you, Nathan. Okay, well, I want to come back in just a moment, and I want to discuss something else about Harold Camping, and that is, it appears that Harold is in the process of creating a new cult. What is a cult? How do we identify cults? And why is what he's doing cultish in nature, okay? Welcome back to our interview of James Walker, president of Watchman Fellowship. James, not only is Harold Camping's date setting alarming, but a number of his theological positions are quite alarming too. Could you tell us a little about those? Oh yeah, Nathan. Usually a false prophet is going to have other theological issues besides just the (laughs) the date setting. And the same is true with Harold Camping. Over the years he's gotten more and more leaning toward the area of heresy, heretical teachings. Uh, This idea that the church age ended in 1988... 
Um, again, this is, a, this is a, a mask over for a false prophecy. But what happens is he says that the church, that God has washed his hands from the church, that all the churches are wrong, that they are apostate, that they're evil. And Isn't that, he the head of the church, Jesus? Well, yeah, you have that problem. And so you, what Harold Camping says is you can't be loyal to God and go through any church organization, that all the churches are apostate. And, and he's so called people to, to leave their churches. Leave, flee, flee, flee the churches. And, and join... Uh, well, basically, his church. But he doesn't <laughs> oh, call a church. Yeah. Okay. Uh, or, okay. Uh, but he would say ministries or organizations that support what true Bible prophecy. Hmm. And so there's uh, on one of their websites, they have four organizations that fall in that category. One of them, of course, is Family Radio. <laughs> so, but it's interesting, his church, Alameda, uh, uh, Alameda uh, Bible Fellowship, has all the characteristics of a church, practically. I mean, they have worship services. They have uh, singing praises. They have Bible teaching they don't do communion or baptism, but it's, it's, it's tantamount to a church. Yet again, all the churches are wrong, so you have to come to theirs. This is one of the characteristics like a, of a cult. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, it sounds like a, he's forming a new cult. At Watchman Fellowship, we have the four patterns to look for. Okay. A cult's going to add to God's Word with new Scripture. They're going to subtract from Jesus. They're going to multiply the requirements of salvation. And this fourth one, which is what he's doing, divide their followers' loyalty, saying that you can't be loyal to God unless you're loyal to our organization or group. So camping is saying you can't be loyal to God at, at any church, but you have to leave the church and come through Him and His prophecy, His date setting, in order to be loyal to God. So Sounds this like is Joseph one of the characteristics, Smith. yeah, absolutely, yeah. characteristics of a cult. On top of that, you have some other uh, very disturbing teachings. Camping is now saying that Jesus can be identified uh, with the archangel Michael. Well, wow. if you Jehovah's understand, witness, I mean, doctrine. that sounds like, again, that's subtracting from Jesus. Jesus is not an angel. No. Uh, Jesus is God in the flesh. Now, again, I think Camping would say he believes in the deity of Christ. He believes in the doctrine of the Trinity. But once you begin to say that Jesus is the archangel Michael, it puts you on shaky ground. Doctrine is a lot like buttoning your buttons. If you button the first button incorrectly, what's going to happen to the rest of your buttons? Well, see, <laughs> and, it, and you continue to drift. Yeah. So the next thing you exactly. know, you are denying the Trinity and on and on. Yes, off. and so the, the, for the first button for Harold Camping was the date setting. But it, being consistent, he begins to get off on all of his theology. And so you have that and, and other things as well. Well, like uh, unbelievers will just simply die at death and not uh, be annihilated. Uh, there's a mm. tendency to take other what we would call Adventist doctrines, mm-hmm. Second Adventist doctrines. Mm-hmm. For example, the, mm-hmm. the idea of either soul sleep or in Harold Campney's case, the idea that hell is not an eternal place of, yeah. mm-hmm. of torment. Now you find that with, you find that with the uh, Seventh-day Adventists. Mm-hmm. You find it with the Jehovah's Witnesses. You find it with the original Herbert W. Armstrong Worldwide Church oh, of yeah. God. All these groups that came out of the William Miller movement are all going to have similar yeah, doctrines. Right. And now Campney is beginning to hold some of these. Doesn't, Incredible, I'm telling you. Doesn't he also not believe that mankind is totally depraved? That there, we, he elevates mankind above what we are? He seems to do that to do that as well. Again, it's buttoning the buttons. Once you get off on that one button, if you're halfway consistent, you're going to be off on every one of your buttons. Doctrine is that way. James, uh, I know that your ministry uh, is an apologetic ministry, but you also are a ministry that does a lot of watching of false religions and cults. And as a result, a couple of years ago, you published a catalog of the false religions and cults, and I was just blown away by how many there are. And it seems seems like they're multiplying exponentially in the end times here because 
Satan knows Bible prophecy. He knows Jesus is coming soon. He's trying to deceive as many people as he can as quickly as he can. Would you just look right into that camera and tell people how they can get in touch with your ministry and also how they could get a copy of your uh, cult catalog? Sure. Uh, we've got that now on our website. We have a web version of that. Over a thousand different cults, occult groups, controversial doctrines, practices, spiritual leaders, all hyperlinked uh, to cross-reference each other. And that's available at our website at www.watchman.org and look for the Index of Cults and Religions right there on that homepage. And I remember when that book came out, I was talking to you one day and I said, James, I know there's a lot of strange groups out there. What do you consider to be the strangest cult you've ever run across? And I mean without even any hesitation, you said the cult of the mushroom. <laughs> what was that all about? Yeah, there's, there's a group out in Southern California uh, headed up by a, a, a guy who actually was one of the official translators of the Dead Sea Scrolls. It's called the Sacred Mushroom and the Cross. And uh, they believe that Jesus is actually a mushroom. <laughs> Sounds so, like they've uh, been smoking some of them too. Uh, yeah. right? well, there's so some they, they get around, they eat mushrooms and hallucinate, right? Well, they believe that the New Testament was written in code and that it involves altered states of consciousness. There are certain mushrooms that are, have a hallucinogenic factor to them. And they believe that when, when, when the Bible says, unless you eat of my body, you will not see the kingdom of God, that means partaking of the mushroom and you see the kingdom Jane, of God. What is the key to protecting ourselves against deception? Because anyone can be deceived. How can we protect ourselves against deception in these end times? The best way to protect yourself against the counterfeit is by knowing the genuine. Know the Word of God, a balanced hermeneutic. How do you interpret the Bible? Historical, grammatical interpretation of the Bible. Know the Word of God. Know the biblical warnings about false prophets. How do you test a prophet? Deuteronomy 13, Deuteronomy 18, the Bible gives us tests to know these things because God loves people and He wants to protect us from these kind of crazy date setting. Well, all I can say is amen, but I think you put your finger on why there's so much deception in these times is because there's a famine of the Word. Even people going to evangelical churches rarely hear the Word anymore. What they hear is modern psychology, how you can be a better husband, a better wife, how you can do this, how you can make yourself better and so forth, but very little about the Word. Yes. It is verse by verse through the Scriptures. Not take take a uh, half a verse or a single verse uh, and then expound on that. You need to go through systematically through the Word of God in both personal Bible study. Also, this is what we need to be getting in churches. I was just going to make reference to Harold Camping is a living sign of the time, isn't he? Because a number of times in Matthew 24, Jesus said, we'll know the end times by the increase in false prophets and false teachers. So we could almost say, praise the Lord for Harold Camping. He's a sign that Jesus is coming back, but not according to Harold Camping's timing. right? Yeah, the, the irony is, in a sense, Harold Camping is mentioned in the Bible because it talks <laughs> about the false prophets. And in the last yeah. days, well, that's going to be systematic. False religion and false prophets are going to be... Uh, systematic of the last days. Well, we need to put him on our prayer list to pray yes, for him. Definitely. And we certainly need to pray for his followers who have been deceived uh, that their eyes may be opened in these next three weeks or uh, that they would, uh, if they continue to believe, that their faith would not be destroyed. It needs to be repentance. Again, folks, I would urge you to uh, go to our website at uh, lambline.com and uh, read this article that we placed on the website that goes into great detail about uh, this uh, particular prophecy and why it's wrong and why people need to be focused upon Jesus and not focused upon dates uh, for the return of Jesus. Nathan, anything you've got to add about our website? Certainly. We'd like to get you this article. If you go to our website at lamblion.com, just sign up for our e-newsletter and we will email you 
that along with every other week. We send out a newsletter with Bible prophecy, so you get your daily dose of Bible prophecy, and uh, we'll get that to you. Well, that's our program for this week. We hope you'll be back with us next week, the Lord willing. Until then, this is Dave Reagan speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministries saying, Look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. You can get your copy of Dr. Ron Carlson's book, Fast Facts on False Teachings, for a gift of $15 or more plus shipping. This is a book that will provide you with insights regarding the major cults and world religions of our day. It will also equip you to better defend Christianity as the only way to God. Other topics covered include the New Age movement, evolution, yoga, reincarnation, occultism, and transcendental meditation. To get your copy of this valuable book, just call the number you see on the screen Monday through Friday from 8 to 5 Central Time or order online at lamblion.com. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministry, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus.